The scripture of the day comes from Joshua, the fifth chapter, the ninth to the twelfth verses. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away from the disgrace of Egypt, so that that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evenings on the fourteenth day of the month in the plains of Jericho. <clears throat> on the day after the Passover, he and that very day they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on that day, they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. How many of y'all have ever gotten lost before? Yeah, I've gotten lost in some weird places. I've gotten lost in a Walmart. (laughs) I've gotten lost in the woods. Um, In South Dakota and Virginia, there's been times where uh, I was driving down a road and the snow got so thick, started blowing over the road, um, that I couldn't see the turns that I was supposed to be going. And uh, and at one point, I turned around and, and couldn't remember if I turned around the right way. And just luckily... Ended up kind of getting back home. Uh, I've been lost in some deserts. Um, I've been lost uh, on water before. Um, there's, there's no shortage of the places that I can get myself lost. <laughs> but, uh, but when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to our lives and faith, um, we, we often find ourselves in, in kind of some uncharted territory, uh, in some wilderness, and wilderness is that place in our life and our faith and circumstances that, that feels so very physical. Each of us kind of physically knows what that feels like to be lost, to be wandering. Um, but when that happens in our faith as well, uh, it takes us completely out of our comfort zone. All the, all the tools and orientations and everything that we have to kind of point us in the right direction, uh, we're just not really sure uh, sort of what way we should be headed. And it can be almost like we feel like maybe we're lost in a jungle or we're lost in a forest where uh, maybe the brush is so thick that, uh, that you're pushing through it and you don't even know what's two feet in front of you. Uh, or maybe it's those times that you feel like you're lost in the desert or uh, maybe up on a, a high point to where you can look for miles in every direction and yet even then nothing feels familiar. When that happens in our faith, it's one of the most troubling and one of the most uncomfortable experiences uh, that we can walk through. And yet, we're not alone in that. In fact, wilderness occurs so often in Scripture that it's basically one of the characters of the Bible. All the way in stories from Genesis to Revelation, from stories of Moses to Abram uh, to even Jesus himself, stories of what happens In the wilderness, when everything else that's comfortable or predictable gets peeled away and we're left with the bare essentials of our faith or our purpose, and from Moses in the burning bush to Jesus in the wilderness with Satan, the one thing that is always predictable about the wilderness is that God is always there. 
For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Beyond the Edge of the Map, and it's a visioning series for not only the future of our church, but for each and every one of us in our own personal lives and our faith as well, about when God kind of calls us out uh, beyond the edge of the mapped out regions of our faith or our lives into something that's new, uh, something that can be a little uncomfortable, something that stretches us, and yet we find the promise, even there, that God is always with us. We looked at uh, stories of Abram, uh, of God's covenant, of God painting a picture of what God would do through him for his descendants and the generations that would follow. We talked about Hannah, uh, God's promise to her, um, the step out on faith that she had in dedicating her son Samuel, who had become uh, one of the greatest judges, one of the greatest leaders of the nation of Israel, who would go on to, uh, to ordain the kings that would leave the nations of Israel. And today we talk about Joshua. And our scripture finds us in a very interesting turning point in the life of the nation of Israel and the life of Joshua as they've crossed over the Jordan River into the plains of Jericho in a place called Gilgal. And Gilgal, as, as Pete read this morning, uh, it has this image in the Hebrew language of, of rolling away. God is almost sort of marking this as a new occasion. I'm rolling away the disgrace of Egypt. I'm rolling you forward into your future. So the people of Israel have finally come. They've crossed that river. They've crossed that edge of the map. They've crossed that wilderness that they've been wandering in for over 40 years. And they've finally come into the promised land. Now for Joshua, this is not the first time he's been in this land. Forty years prior, Moses sent Joshua and 11 other guys into Canaan, into this promised land, to kind of scout it out a little bit. Take a look around. I want you to look at their cities. I want you to look at their people. I want you to look at their agriculture, their produce. I want you to tell me what this land that's been promised to us looks like. What's it all about? And come back and let us know. Paint us a picture about what we're about to walk into. And so Joshua goes off with the other spies, and they wander in this land for 40 days. We're going to hear the, the word 40 a lot, right? And they come back, and of all these scouts, of all these spies that went into this promised land, of the 12 of them, there's only two that say, you know, this place looks pretty good. Now the other ten, they say, this place is too huge. The cities are surrounded by walls that are too huge. This land is occupied by people that are too huge. This, this land has fruit that is too huge. At one point, they, they brought back a cluster of grapes, and this one cluster of grapes, it says, was so large that they had to suspend it in a pole between two people to carry it back. Are we even going to eat lunch? It's too big to carry, right? Now, Joshua was the only one who didn't see a problem with abundance. It was almost that this is a sign of the land that God has promised for us, and God has already promised to deliver it for us. Let's go in and live in the promise that God has given us. But the other ten people were able to sway the opinions of the people of Israel. 
And it says almost that there was a wailing from the people. There was a, a, a cry out that went up. At the fear that would happen if they stepped beyond the edge of that wilderness or that map that they had lived. Almost to the point that they said, you know where things were not so big and not so scary? Maybe we should elect ourselves a captain and go back to Egypt. We're not ready for all the abundance. We're not ready for the big things. Let's go back to the predictable things where we knew at least what we were going to get. And so God got a little frustrated. Because God's trying to lead them into something new. He's trying to give them a promise and a purpose. He's trying to give them a land uh, that he's promised even from the generations before them with Abram. But the people choose the map. They choose the comfortable. To the point where Moses has to go before God and petition on on behalf of the people Almost as if to not just wipe them out and start all over. And so God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If you're so hung up on Egypt, we'll wait for all the memories of Egypt to die away. That an entire generation, not one person who saw my miracles and my work in Egypt, will make it into the promised land. And so they had to wait. They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years from that moment until we get to where Joshua is today, crossing over the Jordan, ready to walk back into that promise that God has had waiting for them for over 40 years. Now the people, they must have mapped out that wilderness pretty good over 40 years. Probably wasn't so wild after that time. But God is calling them into something new now. Something that is big. Something that's a little bit scary. Something that's uncharted. Something that they're not sure that they're up for. Except for the promise that God says, I have already made a promise and a purpose and a place for you. And I will be with you. And in the wilderness where all else fades away. That needs to be good enough. In our lives of faith, we we come to points, and not only institutionally in the life of a church, but in our own faith as well, where God calls us into something new that looks a little bit scarier than what we might be used to. It looks like there's big problems. It looks like there's there's big opportunities to fail. It looks like there's big hurts or big talks that have to happen that we're afraid of what will happen if we step into them. And yet God might be wondering, what will happen if you don't step into them? We know what happens in the predictable. We know what happens in the comfortable. Yet being stretched into something new, we experience a deeper part of God's promise than we ever thought possible before. And it might look totally different than anything that we've ever experienced. You see, for the 40 years that the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, God was still with them then. Maybe a little bit more snippy with them. Maybe a little bit more frustrated at times, but he was still with them. Even to the point that he promised them that he would continue to provide for them. 
continued to pour out miracles for them. And they were provided for every morning when they woke up. And they got to go outside of their tents. They got to go outside as families with baskets and collect manna from heaven. This thin flaky bread that used to cover the ground. It was something that they lived off of. A miracle from heaven every morning as they woke up, greeting them into the promise that God was still with them, that God still had a promise and a purpose for them. And they collected this bread each and every morning, just enough of what they needed. And yet 40 years later, when they come into Gilgal, when they come into the plains of Jericho, walking into this promised land and this purpose that God has, it says that they celebrated the Passover meal and they ate of the fruit of the land. And when they ate from the fruit of the land... The miracle stopped. The manna from heaven was cut off. It was no longer there when they woke up. Now that could be a scary moment. Because that's been predictable. That's been great. That's a a great safety net. We don't got to go out. We don't got to hunt. We don't got to farm. We don't got to do anything except wake up in the morning and go out and get exactly what God has given us. And now God's saying you're living off the fruit of the land. You're living off the land now. And that's a lot more work. But in a lot of ways, it's the exact same miracle. God's saying, you don't need me to rain bread down from heaven anymore. I have planted you exactly where I have purposed you to be. And I have surrounded you with exactly what you need in order to live and to be successful. I don't want you to have the same food that you needed when you were nomadic, when you were wandering around. I need you to have the food that now promises you and testifies to you every morning that this is your place, this is your purpose and your promise that you're leading into. That sometimes the miracles that got us to where we are all of a sudden start looking a little bit different when we cross beyond the edge of the map. And I think part of that is because God is giving us a new promise and a purpose. That he's pulling us into opportunities that are bigger and scarier than maybe something that we we might be used to. Or conversations that might be a little bit more difficult. But he's promising us that there is new provisions and new miracles. That there are new opportunities that are around us that we might not just have seen yet. And yet are absolutely everything that we need in this life. So a couple weeks ago, when we first started the sermon series, we talked about our visioning statement that we came up with over the last couple years. And I asked Brandy if she could go ahead and put that up there for us. That our vision is to maximize mission and service, offer engaging ministries, and build a welcoming community of disciples connected across generations and cultures. And so I spent a long time thinking about this particular vision statement. And I think what stood out to me when we were thinking about the scripture for this week, well, this doesn't require any brand new miracles. This doesn't require any new manna from heaven. This doesn't require any new uh, gifts or talents that, that God needs to divinely sort of bring to the congregation to make it possible. Every volunteer and every dollar and every opportunity and every gift and every service and every possibility to make this a reality is right here in this room. Every need in this community right outside our walls is growing deeper and harder. And each and every one of us are provided with a unique gift and a unique opportunity to help answer some of the prayers that are right outside our doors. 
And we're not asking God to awaken a new miracle, to lay something new at our feet so that we don't have to do the work. We're saying that this is our land and our city and our community and our families and our time, and we are ready to go out and live like we have a purpose and a promise here. And to do something exciting and to do something real. And everything that we need for that to happen is already here. As a promise that God has already painted for us and promised for us. The other part that I love about this scripture, what it teaches us today, is it says that their first meal in the land, after they celebrated the Passover meal, was unleavened cakes and parched grains, which doesn't sound great to me. And in reality, it's just an everyday meal. It's the meal that that some of these Hebrews um, would have eaten for probably a good portion of their lives beforehand, and they will have eaten a good portion of their lives afterwards as well. It's a simple meal. It's an everyday meal. It's what you make when you don't have anything else to make. And yet, it's the meal that liberates them. It's the meal that sets them free into a new part of the promise and a new part of the deliverance that God has spoken over their lives. God delivers us through everyday things. God gives us signs of things that are already around us. If we have the opportunity to look around and to see that the blessings and the opportunities that God has to not only change our lives, but to change this city, to change this church, to change this world are already right there around us. And those very simple things will not only nurture our bodies, but they'll nurture our faith and our opportunities to walk into a new future with God beyond the edge of that map, but where God is already waiting for us. And I'm excited about that future. I'm excited about what God is doing here in Alabaster. I'm excited about what God is doing in your midst and in your lives. There are so many things to celebrate. And if we look all around us, we find that God is doing incredible things. Enough to sustain our bodies, enough to grow our faith. When we look around, we, must, we might just be able to live off of the land. Will you pray with me this morning? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. God, we give you thanks for your word and your purpose that you speak over us. Because God, sometimes we get to the edge of that wilderness and we're just not sure if we're ready to step over. And yet, God, you have given us a promise that you are already there waiting for us. The wilderness is somewhere that's directionless. It's somewhere that's visionless. It's, it's a place to where we walk in circles. And yet, God, it's also the place of burning bushes. It's also the, uh, the place of victories over Satan. It's always the place uh, where you bring manna and bread down from heaven. It is the place where you meet us and show us that you are the thing that we need more than anything else in this world. It strips everything else away. And so show us here today that we have all that we need because we have you. Help lead us outside of these walls, into the city, into this world, that we might be a part of your grace and your mercy. A sign of bread from heaven, that we might be a hopeful meal, that we might be a graceful conversation, that we might be a sign of your kingdom here in this world today that draws others to you. As we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.